listening to the Park Rush podcast. This is a theme park podcast. I'm Tom and this week in the loop, our weekly theme park video news show is once again doing double duty. Some big stories, some good bits of theme park journalism for us to discuss on the show this week. So I hope very much that you enjoy if this is your first experience of in the loop as i say it's a weekly theme park video news show that you can find on our youtube channel the best place to find that is by going to links.parkrush.com that's where you can also find all the other social platforms that we are on perhaps most importantly of all that's where you can find our patreon page Now, if you like In The Loop as an audio podcast, then you'll be pleased to know that each and every week you can get an audio version of In The Loop. Over there, it's only a pound a month to unlock that benefit because In The Loop will be off the main podcast feed next week. Park Rush itself will be back. Josh's family have returned from Florida and have plenty to say about their time in the theme park. So... Look forward to that. There's lots of exciting stuff coming up on the main Park Rush podcast feed over the next few weeks and months. But of course, if you want to stay up to date with In The Loop beyond today, then the best place to do that is on the YouTube channel. Or as I say, if you want it as an audio podcast still, Patreon is the place to go. Thanks very much for listening as ever. Hope you enjoy the show and we'll catch you again next time. I'm going to hand it over now to the past versions of me and Josh. Goodbye. Let's get into this week's news, Josh. And I'm feeling very highbrow this week because I've pulled something from the Wall Street Journal. (laughs) I know. They're talking about like economics and stuff. I, I'm very confused. I don't, I'm going to need some assistance here to understand this. Okay. Also worth noting that, of course, the Wall Street Journal is behind a paywall. Uh, so I give thanks to the, uh, well, the fine individual on the Walt Disney World subreddit who uh, thought to hell with this and just put it up as an archive link for everyone to read. Good. Uh, got uh, to support that in, uh, in, in their every endeavour. Well, you know, it's a cost of living crisis, Josh. You can't expect everyone to afford a Wall Street Journal subscription. Absolutely. So this is kind of a broad piece, I would say, uh, which is very much written in a way that can be understood and appreciated by people who don't keep up with theme parks at all. Generally around how theme park pricing, specifically at Disney World, has really gone through the roof and how Disney have managed to post these extraordinary profits specifically at the parks, despite the fact that attendance remains below pre-pandemic levels. And so it goes into a lot of detail about the various things that have gone up in price and how there is clearly a tension, a growing tension between uh, the guests and the price points. And it seems to me like right now they're still getting away with the prices as they are. Guests are begrudgingly paying up to have these experiences but the tone of the article is very much kind of how much longer is this going to last is the bubble going to burst at some point from the perspective of kind of people who keep up with this a little bit more regularly and have talked about this stuff plenty on the podcast there were a couple of quotes that stood out to me 
uh, in the article that I wanted to kind of raise, specifically from Josh DeMauro, who is now, of course, the chairman of Disney Parks Experiences, etc., having previously headed up just Disney World and Disneyland. And I guess, Josh, he was kind of considered, a lot of people saw him as one of us, you know, yes. uh, among the Disney fandom. And perhaps since he's taken this role, people are starting to realise, oh, maybe he is just another man in a suit. He's one of them. Right? Yeah, he's one of them. Exactly. Yeah, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely, Josh. It's true. The way things are. Uh, so basically, you know, he's very much towing the company line so far as, dude, why is it so expensive? <laughs> uh there are a few quotes in here, as I say. There's one from a uh, mysterious Disney spokesperson, spokeswoman, I should I should specify, who uh, says their pricing right now is determined purely by supply and demand, no different than airplanes, hotels or cruise ships. Now, I guess we'll get into this a little bit more next week on the podcast that your parents partake in, but yeah, what were kind of their broad over, broad thoughts on... The cost of things. I mean, I think it's been, you know, even 20 years ago, you go to Disney World, you're going to anticipate spending more for things there than you would spend for things anywhere else. Of course. Yeah. yeah. You pay the markup, you pay the premium because you're confident you're going to have a good time, good memories, etc. And that was still the case for me this year. I'm not going to deny that. But you're feeling it more and more, mm. the prices. You're kind of raising your eyebrows higher and higher at some of the prices. Uh, what would your parents take on this? Did they would they buy the supply and demand argument? Do you think, or were they walking around thinking, "Blimey, neck"? <laughs> uh, so, that, so they thought it was very busy. Uh, so there is that uh, sort of supply and demand issue, I guess. There, but at the same time, they're not go they're not walking around going, "Well, this is pretty reasonable for the supply and demand out that there's there is out there." Uh, they're going, "Yeah, this is bloody expensive," and also. This park is nowhere near as good as it used to be. Uh, spoilers for next week's podcast. But uh, yes, the prices remain high, but the experience is not is a shadow of its former self, is their opinion. Oh, yes. Well, there's a little tease for you, everyone. Mm. That's the thing. Whenever I hear big corporations talk about or try to justify price hikes, right? Yeah. They always kind of sort of do a little nod and a wink to the everyday financial concerns of ordinary people but it always comes across very disconnected from reality and yes you know potentially the hardships that people are facing in other parts of their life there's a good example this week as of recording uh, people may have noticed that the playstation 5 is going up in price in basically everywhere around the world apart from the u.s yeah, and uh, there was a line in their announcement blog post uh, from uh, uh, which said something along the lines of, "Oh, you will have noticed things are getting more expensive in your daily life, or you may have noticed, uh, you know, <laughs> well, and blah blah blah." blah. Really? That's why we've decided to raise the price of the PS Five. It's like you may be struggling to afford your food and your fuel and your electricity bills, <laughs> and it's this environment which has led us to decide that yes, we also need to make uh, perhaps your one. 
form of positive escapism also cost way more money uh oh thanks mr playstation that's great yeah. I'm, I'm glad you appreciate the concerns and the hardships i'm facing and have decided to uh you know take this uh, you know this one carrot on a stick that was being dangled there for me to think oh these are hard times maybe i'll be able to pick up a playstation and at some point you know and and, and give myself something to look for the, oh no it's 50 50 quid more expensive yeah it's an interesting uh, one because kind of slightly separately but that's an interesting one because obviously uh, Xbox can then just come out and go because they're owned by Microsoft so they've got loads of money they can just go no nah, we're not raising the price and then it plays into Microsoft's hands there so it's a, it's a interesting dynamic that well it goes back to the point I made about Disney right and, and the overall take of this article which is well they're going to raise the prices and they're trying to hit that sweet spot of like they're just they're they're constantly trying to work out what's the maximum we can get away with, right? And yeah. I think the calculation that Disney have made is all these prices we've raised, uh, we can get away with it. How much higher can they go and can we still get away with it? And the calculation that Sony have made with the PlayStation 5 is, okay, this isn't a great look initially, but do we think that demand is going to stay there and people will still pay up for this console? And the conclusion they've clearly come to is, yes, uh, I think, frankly, they probably uh, are kicking themselves, and I wouldn't be surprised if Microsoft do this as well. They probably could have launched their consoles at a higher price and gotten away with it. So this is almost them testing the water, I suppose, in that way. Yeah. And with Disney, I think it's very much the same. And I think every big corporation does exactly the same thing. You know, they'll they'll talk about how much they love their their customers and, and in some cases their fans, you know, who, who see themselves as more than the average customer. But ultimately, they're just trying to rinse you for as much as they can. Uh, another quote in this article, which is from Josh DeMauro specifically, uh, he says the changes they've made. So he's talking about things like Genie Plus specifically here, which, of course, has turned into a massive, massive cash cow for them. Uh, the changes have given visitors more choice about how to spend their time and money at the parks. Uh, while at the same time making the parks extremely commercially successful. I'm not sure that's I mean, true. But, uh, Genie Plus, does that give you more choice? I think it absolutely does not. I think it does the I very mean, opposite, actually. Does it Does it literally give you the choice to spend more money? I guess, yes, it does. Yeah. It's something that, that you can now pay for that you didn't have to before. It, it's a but, thing that you almost have to pay for because of how the market is, right? So you're not... It, your choice is to not go on the rides or suck it up and pay the money to go on the rides. That's the, exactly. That's your choice, which is not a great choice. Yeah, 100%. That was very much the experience we had with the GD service this year. It was it was not a positive decision, you know? It mm. was a decision of circumstance, and ultimately the conclusion you come to to justify it to yourself is well we've paid x amount to be here wouldn't it suck if having done that we don't get to go on everything that we want to go on therefore let's pay another x amount to at least and and again and that doesn't even guarantee by the way that you're going to get on everything it does on balance probably give you a better chance of seeing more stuff but it's still no guarantee uh, but the fact that you feel obliged to do it i think is a serious problem Yes, absolutely. So that's a shame. Uh, another line here from Josh. Not me. 
Uh, he, he claims to be aware of the tension caused by rising prices and other changes, especially for annual pass holders, who are, of course, among the most kind of loyal and vocal and passionate fans. Yeah. Uh, but he describes it as an inevitable result of progress and insists that every change Disney has implemented at the parks is in service of improving visitors' trips. All right, mate. Uh, well, yeah, cool. Not sure I'm buying that, to be frank. Mm. So, yeah, there you go. Um, look, uh, inflation is, of course, it affects everyone. I'm not denying that. But there's a big difference between how it will impact. I mean, look, again, in this Thing Park bubble, ultimately everyone who's interested in Thing Park's enough to listen to Thing Park podcasts and stuff and goes to Thing Park's on a semi-regular basis. They are not at all close to being the worst off people in society. So let's get, you know, let's make that clear first of all. Yeah. But even for those people, there's a big difference between how inflation impacts them and how inflation impacts a company like Disney. Do Disney actually need to raise the prices to the extent that they are uh, to make up for the impact of inflation? I, I just it's it's hard for people to stomach, right? Because they're posting these enormous profits all the time, and um, and yeah. the guests don't really see any of that you know it's all about the shareholders at the end of the day yeah and absolutely it's also a very different era in terms of the leadership at the company right because all right people may not like uh, i think there are serious issues with consolidation in all industries and big companies snapping up other companies but i guess bob Iger, one thing he would say about his tenure was yeah we were making massive profits and i was reinvesting it into you know uh, the parks, our film output, launching Disney Plus, acquiring all these other big companies and stuff like that. Yeah. They're now in very much a penny-pinching mindset under Bob Chapek, whereby they're still making massive profits, but it's not really feeding back into anything. So far as the paying customers can see, everything's just getting more expensive without you know, a real clear benefit to them. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a difficult one. But again, I think they are yet to hit the point where... They've raised the prices to a point where it's really having a negative impact on attendance or a PR. So I think these prices are going to keep going up until they feel like they really have gone as far as they can. And I would probably estimate that there's still a way for them to go before they get to that point. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I do think it is having an, an impact. You, 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 you talk to my parents, you talk to, or you listen to the unofficial uh, Disney Dish podcast uh, with Lintesta uh, and you know he's he's just described a similar experience to how my parents came away from Disney that actually a lot of people going home uh, you know sp spent loads of money spent you know, an exorbitant amount of money going from the UK to Florida for the first time maybe uh, and then they go back and people ask them how how it was and everyone's kind of like not as high on Disney as they used to be uh, kind of kind of more yeah it was good but you know not not necessarily the experience that you expect or you used to get or whatever so i think it's um it is impacting them but not not in a you know 
global widespread sort of way. It's it's a, like a silent, quiet revolution, as it were. Really, I I almost feel like it's the opposite. I think it's a vocal, a very vocal subset of people that would make you feel like these parks are on the brink of the pitchforks and torches coming out. Whereas I think really most people are kind of pottering pottering along thinking, yeah, all this stuff is expensive, but ultimately I want to be here and take pictures for my Instagram and I'm here with my kids and I'm having a good enough time. I think the minor, I think the vocal, there's always that vocal minority, but I think from, you know, families that are going away, I think they're having, and you know, but then you, they don't listen to podcasts. They don't listen to, they don't watch videos on Disney or whatever. And the parents coming away going, you know, I spent, I've just spent 10, 20 grand on this holiday and it hasn't lived up to the expectations that have been put upon it. Um, I think that's, and it's, it's not a big thing and I don't, it's not something you'll hear because it's, that those people aren't in the industry. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's uh, something that's slowly growing, but I don't think it will stop anyone because people often go, well, that's, that's your opinion. I still want to go. And people are still going, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I would definitely recommend people read this article in full. There are some nice case studies in there. People have spoken to the journal uh, who who go to Disney regularly and speak about their experiences. It's a really good piece. You know, as someone who does work in journalism, I do feel slightly dirty. Uh, you know, bypassing a paywall in this way, uh, but look. Uh, it is what it is. Um, if you can, if if you if you want to read this, however you want to read this, uh, I would recommend you do. Uh, it, it is a it is a good write up. So that's that. Uh, now uh, a slightly awkward pivot because it's time to get excited, Josh, about Disney announcements. Oh, can you believe D20, it? D twenty D twenty three starts on September the 9th, so it's coming up very soon here, and uh, they've announced kind of the full. A timetable uh, just briefly kind of highlight the ones that are going to be of most interest to theme park weirdos like ourselves <laughs> and they are mostly falling on sunday september 11th uh, so these are all uh, local time these are this is taking place in california so at 10 30 a.m you're going to get a boundless future disney parks experiences and products then at one uh, in the afternoon, you're going to get Walt Disney Imagineering, 70 years of making the impossible possible. And, uh, yeah, those are the two main ones, I would say, uh, for, for theme park fans to to take note of. Uh, yeah. Just briefly, Josh, what kind of stuff are you hoping for in terms of announcements or, you know, updates on things uh, that we know about already? Um, I guess I don't expect there to be anything big. Um I think, you know, they've got a lot going on already um, and everything takes forever. It takes longer than Crossroad or HS2 to build things at Disney these days. So um, I don't think there'll be any new, big new attractions or areas or anything like that coming. Um, but yeah, I expect kind of updates on Epcot, updates on Tron and kind of smaller things like that, things that are already in the works, um, maybe some new... Uh, I'm not sure if there's any new nighttime celebrations or anything like that coming along or um, holiday celebrations or anything like that coming. But I think it's sort of be around those sorts of ideas mainly for me. Yeah, I would hope to get an opening 
sort of window at least for Tron at Magic Kingdom. Uh, I would hope to see uh, some stuff about the Epcot renovations and uh, you know a clearer idea of what that's going to look like and when that's going to be done. Uh, that would be good as well. Uh, and yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily get my hopes up for entirely new attractions being announced for any of the parks, quite frankly. You know, they've all gone through a decent amount of change in the last sort of five, ten years. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not quite sure whether or not we should expect anything particularly massive. Uh, but, yeah, hopefully some reasonable updates on stuff that we do already know about. Uh, I've got this timetable, by the way, from Thing Park Insider. They're going to be doing some live coverage of those Thing Park-specific panels, so they might be worth checking out on the day if you're not there and want to keep up with what's going on. I don't know you know, if Disney streamed these out or not. I must admit I'm not too sure. Uh, I, think you, I think you can watch them, or you have been able to watch them in the past, but I don't know if you if you have to pay, if you have to be some sort of like virtual attendee, right? Like I do know yeah. that some of these things do sometimes require that. So perhaps they won't be completely free. But uh, oh, okay, there is a link actually in this article which suggests that you will be able to watch them online at d23expo.com. So uh, yeah, maybe have a look at that on the day. Uh, or perhaps we could, perhaps I'll watch it. We could do a... Uh, a talkover. A talkover. Love it. Live yeah. analysis. I'm here for it, Tom. Yeah. All right. Well, it's, it's a very Disney-heavy show today. Uh, we've got another Disney line here. This this regards Disneyland Paris, or, however. Or a lack of a Disney line, you could say. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is uh, from Salon Mickey, which is a great name for a blog, I must say. Yeah. Uh, so Eurostar has announced that its direct Disneyland Paris train service from London St Pancras will be suspended indefinitely after the 5th of June 2023. Uh, Eurostar have been, you know, they've, they've not at all got close to resuming full service since the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, for us here in uh, lovely Kent in the UK, uh, it's been felt uh, very keenly indeed. Uh, because there were two big international stations here in Kent, which uh, were served by Eurostar, one in Ashford and one at Ebbsfleet. And Eurostar has indicated that they will not be returning there until at least 2025, which yep. is wild. I mean, just just say you're never coming back, all right? There's yeah. no need to have these ridiculously far-fetched uh, you know, dates. When when will uh, British Rail or whoever runs the network rail maybe accept defeat and rename the stations to just Ebbsfleet and Ashford? Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy. I, you know, it's a real shame uh, that, that that is the case for those two particular stations. But you know, you wouldn't have expected it from uh, uh, you know to affect some pancreas, would you? I mean, you would have considered this line kind of sacred. I mean, of course, mm. they're saying, hey, look, there are other ways to do it. You can get the Eurostar from St Pancras into somewhere else and transfer and still get there. But again, this is kind of an example of what we've been talking about with um, with how corporations are kind of navigating these tough financial times. It is ultimately to do things which are, are, have a negative impact on their customers, but they try and sort of package it up and sell it um, with excuses and reasons that ultimately their customers don't care about because all we can see is you taking things away and, um, you know, 
with no benefit to to the people that that actually use your services so yes um so it looks like the best option if you're coming from the uk uh, would be to get the uh, ticket that takes you from uh, Eurostar uh, from St Pancras to uh, Lille, and then you get the Tujava from there to Marnle Valley, uh, Chessy. Um, that would be the best option. If you go into Gerd Nord, you have to then get the Metro, which is a pain in the ass. So you're better off getting the route that goes via Lille to get to Disneyland Paris. Right, cool. That's good to know. Uh, there is a glimmer of hope, Salon Mickey reports, that the service might resume in 2024. Eurostar are going to review the decision next year, which I guess will mean, well, how do their balance sheets look? How much demand is there for us to bring this back? Has it had a negative impact on passenger numbers or not? I'd imagine those are the kinds of things they'll be looking at when making the decision as to whether or not to bring it back. Yeah. Uh, there is a slightly longer statement, which I thought I'd read, which specifically regards Ebbsfleet and Ashford. Uh, they say, yeah, we, we can confirm that Eurostar services will not stop at Ebbsfleet or Ashford International Stations in 2023. We cannot make any commitment for another two to three years. Our recovery is progressing well, but we have considerable financial commitments following the pandemic, which we will continue to face for a number of years. Uh, and I had to read this out because I'll never skip an opportunity to take a dig at uh, this wonderful post-Brexit future we are experiencing. <laughs> Our border environment has also toughened post-Brexit and further complexity is expected with the launch of the EU's entry-exit system. Yada, yada, yada. I don't know what that is. I don't know what the EU's entry-exit system is, to be honest. Uh, I don't know either, to be fair. Um, but look, like I say, I'm, I'm a bitter, bitter man. And I will not miss an opportunity to point out the ways in which Brexit has made uh, the vast majority of people's lives worse. So yes, there you go. Absolutely. Right. We're going to skip on over to, I guess, the rumour mill, sort of, to round out the show. And uh, as as is often the case with the rumour mill, it means going over to Orlando Park Stop for Alicia Stella's latest update on Epic Universe. So this is a very, very in-depth write-up. Uh, I didn't want to go through the whole thing because I would encourage you to just go and read it, frankly. And there are some fantastic aerial shots as well, which I think have been provided by BioReconstruct, uh, which is an excellent Twitter account that I, again, recommend you follow if you're not already. Uh, but I specifically just wanted to briefly talk about the arrival of uh, roller coaster track from Mac. Uh, Mac being the German company, Josh, which owns and operates Europa Park, right? Whoa, yeah. Been there. We have. The travel vlogs from Europa Park are up on the Park Crutch YouTube channel, so do go and watch those if you haven't already. Fantastic park with some fantastic rides, so always excited to see what Mac are up to, uh, not just at its own parks, but also what it's doing for others. Uh, and it seems like the track that has arrived most recently here is for this rumoured kind of dueling racing coaster, which is going to be in the central hub of the park. So this is interesting because it's something that we haven't really seen uh, before in Florida, this idea of kind of the, well, I guess for, you know, the closest, I, th I mean, again, it's, it's unclear because we're basing this fully on kind of rumours for the most part as to what exactly the makeup of this park is going to be. Remember a few years ago, there were all these rumours about there being maybe separate tickets 
available for individual lands and things like that like are you going to have to pay even to get into the central hub is it is it more of a city walk than a main street usa all that stuff is very unclear at the moment but uh this coaster is it seemingly is going to be part of this hub area rather than one of the kind of themed lands pot of how to train your dragon nintendo etc yeah uh, so, uh, you know, based on the concept art, it's a big old beast. Uh, what what are you hoping for from this in particular, Josh? I mean, based on this article, it sounds like it could well be kind of the marquee roller coaster. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm it's going to be. It's going to be. It's an interesting concept. If you know some of the rumors that we've heard are true, that this you know you have this central hub, uh, of all the different lands coming off of, and having a racing coaster is going to be awesome. I do love dueling coasters. It's a shame uh, when uh, the dragon rides uh, departed. Obviously, Hagrid is uh, very much beloved now at this point. But uh, yeah, having a dueling coaster, racing coaster back is always going to be good. Uh, and it's again, it's going to be this interesting concept where uh, is this going to be like uh, a, a, an area that anyone can access for you know publicly free um, and so this is ride's going to just be like a, a kind of a taster little uh, teaser of what else is there in the park um, like in the uh, in the themed lands or if uh, is it going to be a ticketed area of the central hub and and so this is just uh, just part of that and and you have to pay to get in anyway um, but yeah having a having all of these themed lands but then having one ride that is just about experiencing just a great coaster is going to be good yeah yeah just a a few stats here that uh, alicia reckons uh so obviously it's it's a two-track coaster multi-launch as she reckons it's going to be uh, each track estimated to be more than five thousand feet long could reach speeds as high as 70 miles an hour, which is going to put it in that kind of Velocicoaster bracket. It's quick. Uh, so that's exciting as well. Uh, uh, yeah, I think Mac rides, uh, Alicia's pretty sure anyway, are going to be working on a couple of rides at Epic Universe. This isn't the only one. Uh, it seems like they may well also be providing a coaster for the classic Monsters Land. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're obviously a, a company that Universal likes working with and trust. Uh, to to deliver some good coasters so yeah there's so much about epic universe that i can't wait to find out more about obviously i think everyone who pays attention to to articles like this now probably knows what the lands are going to be but it will still be exciting when those are officially announced and then yeah just how this whole park is kind of going to operate and work uh from a ticketing perspective is something that i'm i'm quite intrigued by as well so yeah i can't wait to find out more but of course i'm not opening it seems until 2025 so uh yeah plenty of time to wait still but hopefully it comes up fairly quickly it's nice to have something like this to look forward to in these pretty miserable times yeah for sure <laughs> uh all right that's that's your lot for in the loop this week uh hope you enjoyed uh we'll be back next week with another helping of thing park news and uh this will be the last week i think for for the foreseeable hopefully that we'll be doing double duty on the main podcast feed because of course next week you can look forward to uh josh's mum and dad feeding back on their florida trip and yeah depending on how long or how much feedback they have how exhaustive their note-taking was 
maybe that will end up being a couple of episodes. We'll, we'll wait and see, I suppose. But for sure, uh, there's plenty of good stuff to come on the main podcast feed in the next few weeks and months between that and then all our trip reports from the aforementioned European Thing Park road trip. Uh, so do subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already to make sure you don't miss those. Uh, here on YouTube, of course, In The Loop will be back next week. We've also got the travel vlogs from the road trip going up every week. And, uh, yeah, the occasional theme park video game nonsense as well. Uh, all the other places you can find Park Rush uh, is at links.parkrush.com, Twitter, TikTok, etc. So do have a look there too. And if you want to get in touch with the show, uh, leave a comment down below or email us, podcast at parkrush.com. Thank you very much for watching, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Stay safe out there. Goodbye. See ya.